1: so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
1: Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt.
2: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care.
3: I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to the Life, Death, and Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium. I know it seems like a strange combination, but that gives me a unique view of life and death. Death can be scary. I get that. That's why I'm doing this. I want to help people explore life, death, and what it all means. We are born and we die. What we do in the middle is the space between. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Debra Kissen. She's the clinical director of the Light on Anxiety Treatment Center. Dr. Kissen specializes in cognitive behavioral therapy for anxiety and related disorders. Dr. Kissen is the author of the Panic Workbook for Teens and an active contributor to the Huffington Post and shares information on empirically supported treatment for anxiety and related disorders. Dr. Kissen also has a special interest in the principles of mindfulness and their application for anxiety disorder. Dr. Kisson has presented her research on mindful-based treatments at regional and national conferences. Dr. Kissen serves on the Scientific Advisory Board of Beyond OCD and is the chair of the Anxiety and Depression Association of America Public Education Committee. Pretty impressive resume, and I'm excited to welcome my friend, Dr. Deborah Kisson. So today we're going to start because one of the issues I'm finding in my practice, and a big part of what has propelled me to do this podcast, is how much our anxiety is fueled by, by our fear of death or unresolved loss. So you treat anxiety anxiety specifically. What are your thoughts on that?
4: I'd say that's pretty much the core fear. Really for everyone, when you start tapping at their anxiety, and we call it in in CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, a downward arrow, where you start saying, okay, well, what would be so bad about that? And then what would be so bad about that? And when you start addressing fears, as you go further and further down, really the the core fear for, I'd say, all of my clients comes down to death and fear of the the imagined isolation that might come along with that.
3: So it really... For your patients, is the isolation that comes along with dying? Well, I, I would say, and I'm trying
4: to think about any empirical research to support it, but really what feels so scary about death. And the interesting thing when you start kind of poking around and playing with fear of death with each person, you really get a little something different. So I think there's a personal fear within the fear of death so for one person it might be the fear of all the things that you'll miss out miss out on by mm-hmm. not living for someone else it might be imagining the pain and suffering of those that you live behind for someone else it might be an unresolved sense of what even death means and are you just um if 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 there if you're just sort of in a state of nothingness then almost a claustrophobic like panic inducing state of being just forever stuck in nothingness and what that means and kind of the existential questions around that. So you kinda of right. have to play around a little bit with each person to figure out what might be making the concept of dying death. Or and for some it might be the imagined process of dying and what those minutes of terror would be like as you're dying and whatever one might be imagining that experience would be like. So you right. kind of have so, to figure it out.
3: And it sounds like for many of your <clears throat> patients and <throat> also for mine that there's there's this sense of terror or that Mm -hmm. it's scary and bad. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of negativity associated with death, Mm -hmm. Um, whereas there could be positivity associated with death, right? Like so much of our culture is about the the bad, the negative, Mm -hmm. whereas I don't think people necessarily see death. They see it as a very final ending Mm -hmm.
4: rather than
3: just part of maybe a soul existence or something along those lines.
4: And I say depending on – individuals' religious beliefs, they still could have a ton of death anxiety, even if they believe in the concept of heaven, for example. And that, well, yes, I think I've been a good person and I imagine I'll go on to heaven if it—if that's part of their religious beliefs. But there still might be a lot of death anxiety about what the process of dying might be or what how their kids would be doing once they left. So mm-hmm. even if you do feel that things could go on in some okay
3: way, there still could be a ton of death anxiety. So how do you work with that then? Because it's such an existential question, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is basically what we're all trying to figure out. And part of doing this podcast is to try to make meaning out of your life. So how do you deal specifically when you get to the root of it, which you and I've talked about before this podcast is usually about death. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you really get into that and and – dig deep into helping them release that anxiety or letting go of it or managing it? Well, I, I think what normally happens when we're
4: afraid, when we're naturally afraid of something is we think about it like, oh, dying, that would be scary. Oh, okay, let me not think about that. Kind of like watching a scary movie, but you watch and you're kind of covering your eyes mm-hmm. and you're kind of watching a little bit, but you're turning away. Or maybe driving you're by like a car accident that you don't want to see yeah. that you really and do so want to see. Yeah. You're, you're looking, but you're not really looking and you're kind of hunched over and- and so creating a a place where a place and a space where you can um, really explore the concept of what death means to the to your client. So what what does that mean to you? Really kind of slowing down and well, what what do you imagine that process of dying would look like? What what thoughts come up in your mind? And what do you imagine would happen once you're dying? And as people really open up. Spend a little bit more time. Well, I never really thought about it. Huh. I guess maybe this or that. And then they kind of work through the process themselves of, well, I guess now that I'm saying it out loud, the God I believe in wouldn't create death where all you're doing is looking down and seeing all your loved ones having fun and just in heaven feeling like you're missing out. That Mm -hmm. doesn't really make sense. Mm -hmm. And so, without even saying anything, by breaking it down and allowing a person to really dive into and explore their beliefs about death, they normally will come through the other side by just being encouraged to to stay with it, which isn't a natural thing. When something feels scary, you want to turn away from it.
3: Right, right. But a lot of the treatments for anxiety disorders are to mm-hmm. really stay with the feeling and the fear.
4: Right. The feeling, the fear, the thoughts, the images, the memories – turning moving through versus turning against mm-hmm. and kind of getting getting to the other side.
3: And do you find that people necessarily have to have had an experience? Like do you find that there's maybe an experience of loss mm-hmm. as well in there? Or sometimes it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. I think sometimes when you've had the experience of losing someone, like I know when my daughter who was eight or nine at the time lost her father in law, my father in law, her grandfather One of the things she said to me was, I didn't realize when someone dies, it means you never see them again. Mm -hmm. And I think that the permanence of that for her, now obviously we all have our own belief system about what seeing someone again means, and um, hopefully we're going to explore that in other podcasts here. But that she, the permanence of it for her was really, I think, Mm -hmm. and and it was really scary that it felt final. Right. So
4: I I would say... In my ex- in my clinical experience, it could go either way, that maybe one had a traumatic experience with loss or death that wasn't processed and wasn't taken in in a way that made sense and uh, kind of got seared into the mind as something really terrifying in mm-hmm, some way. Or mm-hmm. maybe one hasn't really had any experience with death and therefore they haven't the reality of what it's like to experience the loss of a loved one it's more the fears of what it would be like versus the reality and right. actually an interesting study that I always well I always point out to my clients and, and is um people were asked how how much would you pay to well well first they they asked individuals who'd ever who'd been in, a, in an accident and lost a limb lost a leg in this study how much they would be willing to pay to have never had that accident happen and to, to have their limb back. And then they asked individuals who'd never been in an accident, and never lost their leg, how much would you pay to not ever have to lose your leg? And so the, the numbers were extremely different from those who actually lost a limb, said around 50,000. And those who it never happened to said maybe five hundred thousand. So th- their estimate, mm-hmm. their estimate of just how awful it would be mm-hmm. and how much they would do to try to avoid that happening, were were very much off. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's a easy thing or it doesn't have its pain and suffering. But our our minds' predictions of how bad things are going to be are often magnified.
3: Well, and. What, I, I don't know if this study took this into account, but did it? Th- what What were maybe the benefits since you've lost a limb? Mm-hmm. You know, what have you realized? What have you recognized? Right? I think often in the face of loss and pain, is our biggest growth.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So
3: I think that that could be an interesting yeah. follow up to that study. Whoever did it, you can
4: yeah reach out I to do them. need to find it because I quoted a lot and I and I haven't read in a long time. But yeah, I think I think when we haven't experienced something, our imaginations can really take hold of how awful and how much it won't be a, a situation we will be able to survive, and mm-hmm.
3: that's rarely the case. Right. Right. So there are so many existential issues that we don't have the answer to when it comes to death, although we can explore it. How have you personally come to understand death?
4: Ooh. I know you sent me the questions ahead of time of what we're going to talk about. I really should have read them a little more carefully (laughs) to be prepared for this. But okay. So the question of how have I personally... uh, explored or made peace with the yeah. concept of death. Mm-hmm. Um that is a very good question. And what's coming up for me, well my my mother passed away and and my sister passed away, so I had to and and my dog passed away. So I've had quite mm-hmm. a few intimate experiences with death, and what's coming up for me right now when my mother was in in a hospice and kind of one of her her last few days. And a rabbi, I'm Jewish, and so a rabbi came by to visit. And he said to me at that time, um, "There's a Jewish prayer that it's a blessing that thanks the the dying person for the gift and the blessing of the lesson that they're that they're giving you and for the experience and and just for the enlightened witnessing of this energy and this this miracle in some ways, oh, wow. and so it, and I understood what he was saying that it really was in some ways uh, to similar to witnessing the creation of life and to witness the passing. It felt to me like it it put the things into a full full cycle and and kind of shifted my feelings about birth and death. Mm -hmm. So it really was a gift that she gave me.
3: Mm -hmm. And with some of these, because these are significant, significant, significant losses that you've experienced, what types of things have you explored personally, if you wouldn't mind talking about them, um, to help you kind of understand or come to terms or connect with your mom? And sister and dog. um, well, one
4: of the things that I, I personally, I try to live fully in the moment and try to just really appreciate the the gift of life and all that I have in those moments, and also having some faith, I think that the energy will continue on in some form. And and I think I, I what was very helpful for me in understanding that, I, I did ha- have a reading with my friend, Amy, the licensed clinical psychologist and medium who's doing this podcast. And she-
3: This isn't a plug. This, this isn't, isn't a applaud. plug.
4: She's very, very modest about it. But she kind of did a reading and helped me come in contact in some ways with my, my mother and my sister. And it- It also strengthened my feelings of energy continuing on and that their presence is still in my
3: life Mm -hmm. in different ways. Mm -hmm. And was that the first experience that you had had with that or had had exploring that? or Had you even thought about it before? No. I would say I'm I'm, I'm a very practical person, so I'm not
4: someone who – I would never say I don't believe in ghosts or I don't believe – in many things, I'm kind of open to any possibilities, I, but I also don't spend a lot of time contemplating if, if certain entities, ghost spirits exist either. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. – I'm open to anything. I'm just not really waiting around for that to happen also.
3: Mm-hmm. And what did you feel like in that experience shifted things for you?
4: Um, I would say the feelings of continuity and you don't sort of like just drop off that you sort of have your life of the number of years that you have in your current existence and then you sort of like fall off this cliff of nothingness and then that's just sort of it. Mm -hmm. That just doesn't hold up anymore in my framework for understand, understanding things.
3: Mm-hmm. Did it shape it all the way that you practice? Practice, Clinically. my clinical practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um,
4: I would say not in that I'm very cognitive behavioral therapy, so I'm very action-oriented and here and now. And at the same time, I'm very open to one's energy and what they're bringing into the room and Mm -hmm. whether that's through feelings, sensations, whatever else comes with it. So I guess in some ways I've always been in touch with the energy source that Mm -hmm. my clients bring in and Mm -hmm. and I think I continue to do that. Mm -hmm. So... yeah, uh, maybe when, when one talks about their death anxiety, maybe I, I, I feel a little bit more comfortable that I, without saying all will be okay, because you can't tell someone it's going to be okay.
3: Right. If Especially it were that easy. That, right. And right. they don't just walk away believing, oh, okay, everything's going to be okay. Right.
4: Right. But I, I think in my wise mind or in my soul, to be able to send that energy that no matter what, all will be okay. Maybe not in the little tiny moments, but in the bigger scheme of things. Like, all is okay. And I'm, I think I'm able to kind of send that message silently to mm-hmm. anyone who comes in to see me.
3: And since our reading, um, which was probably about two years ago, mm-hmm. you've found ways to connect on your own. You haven't needed... Even though you've wanted me to help, mm-hmm. you've found ways outside of me to connect with your mom and your sister. More your mom, though.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, and it's hard to know if, if it's true or real. I have the flashing of lights in my home and in my bathroom of late. And, you know, I'll, I'll often have conversations with the flashing lights like, thank you mm-hmm. for... Coming by and mm-hmm. isn't it good – isn't it funny how Morgan is such a clown or it, – it, I, 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 it feels to be true that I'm getting mm-hmm. some of her presence. Mm-hmm. I, I can't prove it to be so.
3: Right. But it, there's a comfort in mm-hmm. feeling like you're still connected to her mm-hmm. even though she's not. Yes. She's not here. hmm So one of the things I love to do uh, is ask people for this podcast – what the space between means to them, because that's the title of the podcast. Good the title. Space between. I love it. Great title. Um, and I'm just curious what what that means to you when you hear the space between. Well, first,
4: I'm hearing Dave Matthews going through my mind. Right. I know, I know.
3: That was one of the issues with
4: naming it that, but I, I checked it out. It's yes, all good. all good. Yes, and which is a great song. Um, I, and I think. It's kind of artificial that there's even a divide anyway, that there's a start point, an end point, and then the space between once once you pass away, maybe before you come back. I, I To me, it feels like a continuum, an infinity, and there's just endless connections and... Interconnections. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that answers the question by saying. um, So in terms of what the space, the space between. That's my answer. Does that does that make sense at all? Yeah,
3: absolutely. There's no right answer or wrong answer. I like to get things right. No, it's just it's just a curiosity. Yeah, because when I said it, it meant something different. Everybody that I've asked is like, "This is what it means to me," and so I thought it it was interesting that it was open to interpretation. Uh for me, when I when I originally picked it as a name amongst other names, it was the space that I was straddling between the two worlds oh. of being a really grounded licensed clinical oh. psychologist and also having this experience as a medium connecting yeah. with people who had passed away and wow trying to figure out how to straddle that space yeah. and it felt like I was in between two mm. two worlds in some way. And I've gone on to think of it in a lot of other ways as well. But yeah. um that was the original impetus for the name That's so of neat. the podcast. I didn't realize that.
4: Yeah. That's beautiful.
3: So I just want to thank you so much for coming in today and talking about this intense topic but the goal of this is to is to make it a little bit lighter for yeah. people and and not be so scared to be talking about mm-hmm. death because i think that there can be some play in the curiosity about mm-hmm. it and it certainly makes for interesting dinner discussions yeah. and you know when you're out with friends just Just talking about it and wondering about it. And I think a lot of – I don't know if you find this in your practice, but a lot of healing comes through through just the ability to play with ideas. Yeah. And to be open and curious about what else might be out there.
4: And I think that's what, as a society, our approach to death is really lacking that ability and concept of playing with death and – the nuances of it and what it means. And so I think you're offering a really beautiful service that I think we all need a little bit more of.
3: Thank you. Well, thank you again for coming today and thank you guys all for listening. Have a great day. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Curious about what comes next and what it all means? You can subscribe on iTunes, just go to podcasts and find life, death, and the space between And hit subscribe. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Ask me any questions you might have, let me know what else you'd love to hear about, or just share your story. I can't wait to hear from you.
2: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?